Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. I was at a uh, pastor's meeting yesterday, and as I was there, uh, a man who's there, uh, his name is Peter, he uh, actually does a lot of consulting with various church bodies, and he was up in a place when he said the name, I kind of smiled inside, he was up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And up there, he was at a presbytery, actually, so he was with a Presbyterian church, and as he was there, he, he uh, talked with them, and they, they were a congregation that was dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And they were down to about 20 people. And so what they did is they said, we're going we're gonna to ask somebody young to come in and see if he can't get some new life into the congregation. Okay? And so this young man came, and since he had about 20 people to care for and do things with, he had some time to go and check out the community, do different things. And as he was talking to some of the young folks, what they said was what their first question was when they asked about it was, does your church building have pews? And he said, yes. And they said, we won't be coming. I love the looks on your face, but there's an explanation to this. And that was because they were concerned about what they didn't want was a monological situation. They wanted a dialogical one. Monological is what's happening tonight. You look at me, I talk at you. Dialogical is when you actually, when I ask you, would you please take this thought, this question, and answer this question amongst yourselves? Have you ever discovered that it's different and people, everybody resonates with something different? It's okay. But when you have to actually think through enough to be able to give a coherent answer, that requires a little bit more on your part, doesn't it? Have you ever sat through a sermon where I was talking and you were like, blah, 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 blah? <laughs> and that 20 minutes sure took a long time to go through, didn't it? Okay. What I want you to do tonight is I want you to hear the first verse of the gospel reading, and then I want you to do some dialoguing with those around you. Okay? The first verse says it this way, and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What it says in the ESV that you heard tonight was, My soul magnifies the Lord. Okay, my soul magnifies the Lord. And what I'd like you to think about is a magnifying glass. When you look through a magnifying glass, what is the goal? To see things closer, to make them bigger. My soul enlarges. My soul makes God bigger. I want you to just talk to the people around you for a moment and say, in the last few days, what have I been making bigger? What have I been magnifying? Go for it.
All right, let's bring it back together again if we could. And if you need to keep sharing amongst yourselves, I understand. I'll just talk louder. I've got a microphone, so you just keep it going, okay? What I'd like you to think about is um, what is it that you're magnifying? And what's happening here as we listen to this text, what, what she seems to be magnifying is the same thing that an Old Testament person was talking about magnifying, and that's the person Hannah, Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's another time. Hannah was this one whose husband had another wife, and she had children, but Hannah had none. And so when God heard Hannah's prayer and provided for her, listen to some of the words you just heard the gospel reading. Now listen to this reading. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn or my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hired themselves out for food, but those who were hungry hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the ash heap. I'm sorry, from the dust, and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sits them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. God's the God of reversals. He takes it, it says it this way. If you, if you think about it, it's over and over again. He takes the lowly and exalts them. He takes those who are exalted and proud and lowers them down. That's said over and over again in our text from Luke and also from 1 Samuel chapter 2. The reading we had from uh, James chapter 4 talks about humbling yourselves and God will lift you up. Then what we have in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says it this way, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, through, I'm sorry, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Reversals. Jesus humbles himself. He goes all the way up on the cross in his humility so that he might make us sons and daughters of the king. And I wonder if any of us in the midst of our would have been magnifying these last few days. If it sounds anything like what uh, Brandon Manning wrote in one of his books. Listen to this. The kingdom belongs to people who aren't trying to look good or impress anybody, even themselves. They are not plotting how they can call attention to themselves, worrying about how their actions will be interpreted, or wondering if they will get gold stars for their behavior. Twenty centuries later, Jesus speaks pointedly to the preening ascetic trapped in the fatal narcissism of spiritual perfectionism. That was a lot of highfalutin language, simply meaning for those who are self-righteous and want to make sure everyone sees how great they are. To those of us who are caught up in boasting about our victories in the vineyard, 
to those of us fretting and flapping about our human weaknesses and character defects. The child doesn't have to struggle to get himself in a good position for having a relationship with God. He doesn't have to craft ingenious ways of explaining his position to Jesus. He doesn't have to create a pretty face for himself. He doesn't have to achieve any state of spiritual feeling or intellectual understanding. All he has to do is happily accept the cookies, the gift of the kingdom. Do you know what the preening ascetic filled with that narcissism and that um, I'm going to do this and look how great I am? Do you know what that person has in common with the one flapping about his character defects? What do those two have in common? Focus on themselves. The magnifying glass is on me, on you. Do you remember what C.S. Lewis says? He says this, he says, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking what? Of yourself less often. So, out of curiosity, when you think about different things, I was going to come back and make a little comment about, you know, I tend to magnify right about here this time of year. Okay. But you know, that's putting the focus where? You. When I tell you about my struggles and all those different things about my character defects, where's the focus? Me. When you try and tell me just how great you are or how much you struggle, where's the focus? My soul magnifies me, for I am mindful of just how I feel and what I'm anxious about and what's going on in my life. Does that hit home at all for anybody besides me? And if it does, or if it does for those around you, what is it that God then calls us to do? What does it call, call us to be about? And it wants us to magnify who God is. He is the one who shows mercy to those in need. I wonder if we in our country have so much stuff that we don't see ourselves as the needy people we really are. Could I just say that to you one more time? I wonder if we have so much stuff that we just don't see how needy we really are. I can go a whole long time without thinking I need Jesus. I got enough food in the cupboard. I got a job that pays. I got all this other stuff. Look how great I am. I don't need God. And therefore, we don't magnify the God we don't need. Right? I don't need his mercy. I'm really good. I'm a whole lot better than they are over there. Wow. I wonder how often, how easy it is for us and those who live around us to just do life. And I don't need to magnify the one who gives my life meaning. I don't need to magnify the one upon whom I'm constantly dependent. I don't need to magnify the one who's coming for me because I so long for it because what I really long for is just more of the pleasure I currently have in my own life right now. Is that at all true for us? Can that be at all true for us? And if it is at all true for us, God's got a wonderful thing that we can do that will help us to magnify him, and that is to humble ourselves. That's what James talks about. Just take the focus off what's happening in my life. This, I'm preaching to me tonight, you all just get to listen, okay? (laughs) 
get the eyes off of myself and what's happening with me and what comfort I have to have and how much I hurt and how much this is happening and my anxiety about that and how I don't seem to measure up and compare with other people. Can we just let it rest? Can I just humble myself and let God take care of me in his perfect time and perfect way? Would you join me in that? So how do we go about magnifying the Lord? How would we do that tonight? We'll humble ourselves. One of the best things I have for this, and if I've stopped by your house recently, I've shared it with you, okay? If I haven't stopped by, this is what everybody is getting. Two circles. There's an inner circle and there's an outer circle. On the inner circle is the word responsibility. And if you have that word responsibility, it's what I can be about doing. Do you know what it said tonight in the, in the book of James? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Guess what? You don't even have to be super powerful or strong or even healthy to submit to God and resist the devil. You don't have to say, well, I wish I was like Don or Juan or somebody else that I could get out and do all those different things. Oh, you can't submit to God and resist the devil in bed or wherever you happen to be. We can do these things. What's my responsibility and what does God say? He says, obey. Right? And then on the outer circle is trust and concern. And what I find so often, I think with us, I think this happens once in a while, that line between trust and concern becomes kind of blurry. Like I have a concern for Leroy and his health. Would that be an appropriate concern? What should I do with that? I should pray. I should trust that God knows what he's doing and he'll take care of Leroy in God's right time and God's right way. But I wonder how many times we take that concern and we make it my responsibility. Therefore, I got to do. I got to fix Leroy. I got to tell him exactly what he needs to do and don't do. I got to make sure that he's doing what I want him to do because if he doesn't do what I want him to do, he won't get fixed. Is that my responsibility? Is that my responsibility? No, it's not. I wonder how many times we work really hard to make things that are our concern into our responsibility. And then, just out of curiosity, when I'm working really hard to make something the way I think it should be, how well am I magnifying the Lord? Because I'm trying so hard to control it, to make it work in the way that makes sense to me. And God says, I really want you to be free. Because you know what God does? He does these great reversals. You know what God does? He fights for us. You know what God does? He rescues us. He delivers us. He brings us hope. You know what God does? He actually carried out all of the responsibilities that you and I have had for the rest of our lives. He fulfilled them in his son Jesus. The reason Jesus came was to save us, to do what we couldn't do, so that now... We might be free to obey. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But if you and I aren't set free to obey, then we're never going to do it to magnify God. We're always going to do it to magnify me. And when I'm doing what I'm doing to magnify me, I'm not really free. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it just be awesome to get those circles right? 
and then to be about what God gives me to do, not because I have to to be good enough for God, but because he set me free. Oh, the great God who fights for me on the cross, the great God who shows mercy to me, the chief of sinners. Oh, my soul, magnify the Lord. Amen.